In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, please be seated. Today we keep so many people in our prayers, uh, those who are sick and under the weather, uh, those in California dealing with the fires and now the the rains and floods. Um, We pray for the people of Hawaii and those visiting, where if you saw the news yesterday, they received in error um, an early warning that a ballistic missile was headed toward them. We live in precarious days, sure enough. We've gotten used to those early warnings of various types, haven't we? We drive down the turnpike or on the highway and we see a sign warning us of an amber alert or a silver alert. Just last week, uh, people in New Jersey were grateful for those early warnings about floods coming. And I saw in the news where a family in particular found sandbags enough to keep the water out of their basement this time. We have people among us and people we know and love who have early warning systems built into them. (laughs) They have pacemakers and things that call doctors and technicians when the heart is doing something unusual or when one's blood sugar level drops or rises. Wouldn't it be something if we had an early warning system that God was approaching? (laughs) That would be something. If we knew to be on our toes, to be on our best behavior, to be most alert, God is approaching, God's coming near. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? In this season after the Epiphany, the church invites us to to think about what it means that God has come into the world in the form of Jesus Christ, not just for the Jews, the chosen people, the expected ones, uh, but everyone, everyone, everywhere. And so the scriptures today in particular, I think, invite us to wonder, do we recognize God? When God is in our midst, do we recognize God when God is among us? Or might we be often distracted or blinded by things like our expectations or our experience or our imaginings? In our first reading, one of my favorites in all of Scripture, the boy Samuel is sleeping in the hallway of the temple. Samuel seems to be an intern, or, or some, in some capacity he's serving at the temple. And so he hears his name, and a couple of times he goes to see the elderly priest Eli to say, Yes, you called. And finally Eli uses his wisdom and says, You know, it's not me calling you. Next time you hear your name, ask what you can do. It turns out it's God. I I love the detail in the scripture that Samuel seems to have known about God, but he did not yet know God. That's a good warning for a lot of us, I think, that there is the ability to know a whole lot about God, and yet 
hold ourselves back from really knowing God and being known by God. This season of Epiphany invites us nearer to let down our guards, to put aside expectations and allow God to be God fully for us. Our second reading is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And we have to remember, I think, that Paul himself was slow to recognize God. Perhaps that's why he's so good at helping other people sort God out in their midst. Because for years, Paul missed God altogether. His name was Saul, and he persecuted those who followed Jesus. He persecuted those who would be called Christians. Saul had a very narrow view of who God is and what God does and how God manifests God's self. And so it took Saul a while until he had this dramatic conversion experience. And in the midst, he got a name change. Saul becomes Paul. And he was a new person. He was able to see God in new places. How perfect that he's then the preacher to the Corinthians. Uh, Corinth being so much uh, like modern-day Manhattan with a, a clash of cultures and beliefs and philosophies. And so into this, Paul goes using his, his best abilities of reason and rhetoric. But notice what Paul does. Paul tells his audience to begin by looking no further than their own two feet. (laughs) He says, start with your own body. Give thanks for your body, even as it is, as it ages, as it gets creaky and worn, as it stops working correctly and often misbehaves and gets into trouble. Nevertheless, give thanks for your body because that's where God meets you to start with. Stop looking elsewhere for joy or gratification or affirmation from others. Give thanks for the miracle that is already within you, Paul says. God has raised and hallowed and blessed the body. Therefore, respect it. Give thanks for it. Take care of it. Look at your hand and see it as a hand of God. In our gospel, people all over the place are missing Jesus as the Christ. They're expecting God to come from particular places. It's Nathaniel especially who almost misses Jesus completely. He has that funny line, what good can come from Nazareth? I've learned over the years not to try to replace Nazareth with some modern-day city because sure enough, if I say, you know, it's a little like saying um, expecting the Messiah to come from Bergen County. We'll have 15 people here today from Bergen County, so I won't say that, but you can fill in the blank with whatever city or town you think is a backwater. That was the early church equivalent of surprise that Jesus would come from Nazareth? Nobody important comes from Nazareth. Christ doesn't come from Rome. He doesn't come from Jerusalem. He doesn't come from any of the great cities. He doesn't come from far away. He comes from close up. You'll remember that scripture where people say, well, how can this Jesus be anybody special? We know his father, Joseph. We know his mother, Mary. He's from down the street. 
He hasn't traveled the world. He hasn't been educated. He doesn't come from some faraway, exotic, and wonderful place. But Jesus senses this in Nathaniel, and then slowly in Christ's kind of charming way, he begins to talk to Nathaniel. Jesus talks through him in a way. And Jesus lets himself be known by all those who are there. Then finally, Nathaniel sees him for who he is. He sees God shining through. And so he says, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. To which Jesus kind of smiles and says, you haven't seen anything yet. (laughs) Do we see God when God comes? Do we notice? Or are we like Nathaniel and all the others where we we are busy preparing for God to come in the wrong place? Sometimes we'll be expecting a, a delivery at church and we expect one door and sure enough the person is knocking on 87th Street. <laughs> or they're, they're aiming for the boiler to which we say, which one of the three would you like to see? <laughs> we have to be ready and know where to look, where to expect. God might meet us in church God might show up in a vision or in silent prayer like it was for Samuel. Or God might occur to us in our thinking and in our conversation like with Paul. So much of Paul's letters are, are difficult for us because I think they were, they were written down by scribes who were used to listening to him. And Paul af- often thought things out and he worked them out as he was speaking. <laughs> Some of us find God in our speaking as we work things out aloud or with others. God might come through a friend who points us in the right way, who says, like Philip, come and see, I found something. Come and meet the risen Christ. Maybe God shows up for us in a hospital waiting room or in a fast food restaurant or in a board meeting or in a family gathering or on a first date or on a failed date. God enters our world not so much when and where we're most ready, but rather God comes where God wills. As the old hymn sings, God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. This weekend offers a number of opportunities to remember the work and the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He had his own version of come and see as he brought so many people together and brings us together still to work for civil rights, to work for a larger vision of God. God came to Martin Luther King Jr. through suffering and through heartache but also through human frailty and shortcoming, through his own human nature. And God came a little like God came to Samuel, through a dream, through prayer, a dream that Martin Luther King Jr. could name and offer to others. That dream that little children one day would live in a nation where they would not be judged by the color of their skin or by the content of their character. We might very obviously add to this dream that people not be judged by the country of their origin or where they have most recently lived. 
It's this dream which Martin Luther King was very quick to point to Isaiah and say, it's not my dream, it's the dream of Isaiah, it's the dream of God. As Isaiah dreamt, one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places made plain, and the crooked places made straight, and the glory of God shall be revealed in all flesh. See it together. That's God's dream. It doesn't matter who the leader of the day is or uh, which party is in power or which person is making a mockery of all that we love and hold dear. God's dream continues. And we link up with all those dreamers along the way. And so God comes in concrete, particular, everyday ways. God has come and God keeps coming as we live into the dreams for civil rights, for human rights, for God's dreams to be realized and known by all God's children. The good news of our scriptures today and the good news of our faith is that in us, God comes, God visits, God surprises, God startles, God sweeps us off our feet, God picks us up and draws us close. God comes, not always when we're most prepared, but always when we're most in need. Thanks be to God for the power of his visitation, the power to knock down doors and fill our lives with love and with hope. May we realize God's presence and share God's power. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.